coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy Tuesday to you. It is so nice out today. Uh, I managed to walk over to my gym and back, and that's really the only outdoor activity I've had today. Had a very long day yesterday. Have Zooms later tonight, softball business, blah, blah, blah. But I got out for just a minute, and I, I want to get out more. Hopefully, you're doing that. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be joined with uh, Georgia Winlist's Executive Director, Melita Easters. You, of course, know her from Sunday mornings on the Georgia Gang on uh, WAG8 Fox 5. So uh, we're going to catch up with her because she'll be able to clear up any confusion I or we might have uh, about the most recent judicial action involving the FDA-approved drug uh, Mifeprestone. So we'll talk with her about that, uh, what she may be hearing in uh, the Fonnie Willis camp. Is there a, another Trump indictment dump about to come? Uh, we found out today that Atlanta did not get the 2024 Democratic uh, National Convention bid. I'm kind of bummed about that because there's only so many liberal voices in this city. And when it comes to audio, when it comes to podcasts and audio and radio, uh, I'm pretty much it. So I would have loved to have been able to dive right into the huge national scene and sort of press the flesh and gotten to meet some people. But I mean, Chicago is not bad in the late summer either, uh, <laughs> but it's not Atlanta. So we'll talk with uh, with her about that. Oh, Bernice King wrote a uh, stinging rebuke uh, that I believe was published in today's AJC, also uh, on Twitter, uh, at BA King, uh, against Cop City. So we'll talk with her about that. And I got to ask her about uh, one of her co-pundits on the TV show, running with the Red Scare communist smear in response to civil rights activist, Black Panther icon, Angela Davis, she received a proclamation from the city of Atlanta on a recent visit last month, and she returned it and uh, left a stinging rebuke on social media uh, in regards to the city's pursuing the Atlanta Police Training Facility, a.k.a. Cop City. Yeah, one of her pundits decided to go with the communist label, the Red Scare trope. Yeah, from the 1960s and 1970s. That's how up to date. You know what? I'll save that. <laughs> we can go off about that maybe a little bit together. And she, Melita, you know what? She's a class act. She really is. She's a class act. She has more strength than I do because I, I my eyes would roll on television so bad. Anyway, she, she may talk about that and she may let me just go off about it. Either way, we're looking forward to Melita Easter's joining the show uh, next segment. I'm even going to ask her to comment on this story because I'm going to stay on this story and I feel like I'm the only one right now that is. That would be the story of the ex-WWE wrestler, now a Cherokee County School Board member. Actually, more than that, their school board vice chair. Also, didn't know this until today, he too, like me, is a residential realtor. He has, uh, I believe, a team with uh, a real estate firm. And uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm asking the Cherokee School Board, uh, the, the, the Cherokee uh, County School System, where's the statement? What are we doing? Uh, I'm asking uh, his real estate firm, any any statement, anything at all. The school board, uh, last I checked, still has uh, a school board meeting for April 20th. That's right, 420. And um, maybe that's when something will be said or done or some sort of stinging rebuke or maybe he'll step down, something along those lines. But 
it's hard not to notice the silence. If you're asking, Ron, what are you even talking about? See, that's the problem. This happened a week and a half ago, uh, two weekends ago, at a wrestling convention. Rob Recksteiner, a.k.a. Rick Steiner, of the Steiner Brothers, yeah, followed wrestling a little bit, at least I knew that, uh, is a school board member for Cherokee County Schools. In fact, he's the vice chairman. He's also a local real estate agent, a realtor. You know what? Does the realtor board... I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be a snitch. I'm not trying to call people. But this is a story that doesn't need to go unnoticed. I'm saying in an era where there's a lot of questions about who actually is protecting children, can't even talk about the gun stuff, but all children, not just the children who identify with their gender, who grow to be heterosexual, but all children. When it comes to asking about who's protecting children, do we really want someone who is vocally anti-trans, an anti-trans bully on a school board? Here's what happened. This from uh, Yahoo News. A Georgia school board member, also a retired professional wrestler and a realtor, is accused of verbally harassing a transgender woman in the industry at a Los Angeles fan event. Robert Recksteiner, known as Rick Steiner, was banned two Saturdays ago from WrestleCon, a 3 day event after allegedly making transphobic comments to trans wrestler Giselle Shaw. Shaw claims Steiner called her a, quote, piece of trash and filth as she was preparing to sign autographs for fans. She said, I was shocked and could not believe that this was even happening. To have someone saying these comments, who a lot of people look up to and consider their hero, was quite shocking and disheartening. So this happened two Saturdays ago. Last week, Cherokee County Schools was on spring break. Understandable. Nobody's going to say a thing. Nobody's at work. There's nobody to take the phone calls. Nobody's manning social. Well, somebody should always be manning social media, but nobody's manning social media, et cetera, and so on. The next school board meeting is not until April 20th. So we have time. We now have nine days until that school board meeting. And I'm curious if Mr. Rex Steiner's display of, well, maybe it's not transphobia. Maybe there's just a beef that he and Giselle Shaw have. I mean, I'm not reading anything into his statement towards her that implies transphobia, but she's a trans wrestler, and that's what he had to say to her. He's had no comment since. She has witnesses. He does not. The venue, the folks who held the event, kicked him out. So they must have reason to do so. I, for one, just don't think that someone who gets booted from venues for slinging slurs, if he did, or being anti-trans publicly, should hold a seat on a school board. That's all. Now, whether the real estate company, I believe it's Atlanta Communities Real Estate, whether they want to have a relationship with someone who acts that way publicly or not, that's their business. It's their business. They can do so. I said the same thing when I directly tweeted Farmers Insurance about one of their agents in Marietta, a fellow by the name of Jeff Barrett, who has a penchant for tweeting anti-gay, anti-trans rhetoric on social media himself. I mean, screen grabs, sent, okay, you're farmers. I mean, the right wants to cancel Bud Light, but I can't hold other companies accountable for being associated with folks who are visibly anti-trans, anti-gay? Oh no, I'm going to do it. Call me cancel culture all you want. Welcome to the culture. 
Actions have consequences, kids. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowetl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. Welcome back to The Ron Show. Gorgeous Tuesday afternoon, and I'm stuck inside a padded room talking to you. Anyway, Melita Easters joins us from the Georgia Win List, uh, executive director of the Georgia Win List, also a pundit at WAGA-TV's Fox 5's The Georgia Gang, Sunday mornings at 8.30. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, you're the first person that came to mind when the Mifid Prestone judicial activity in Texas dropped last week. And I'm certainly, uh, like a lot of folks, just confused because then there was uh, follow-up judicial action in Washington State. So I I guess the question is, is is Mifid Prestone still legal or not? Or can they prescribe it or what? So the Texas ruling gave a seven-day window for his ruling to take place. Mm. Then um, Monday afternoon, at the urging and request of President Joe Biden, the Justice Department filed a Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals challenge, which seeks suspension of the Texas ruling while the full legal appeal is adjudicated and and all of the hearings and filings are given the time to go through the normal process. So I would anticipate that they will issue a quick suspension of the Texas ruling at the Fifth Circuit, and then they will allow the attorneys on both sides of this matter to begin to file their pleadings and um, schedule hearings. The thing that's interesting to note is there were more than 100 studies of mifepristone before it was approved. Mm -hmm. It's not a dangerous drug. It's been approved since 2000. It's four times safer than penicillin. And I might add, 10 times safer than Viagra. And nobody, especially the white men who predominantly are the powerful ones in the Republican Party, are trying to regulate Viagra. You're right. So it's about women, it's about control of women, and it's about stepping into private, personal, medical decisions, which should be left to a woman, her medical team, her family, and when she wants it, her spiritual counselors. I remember when (laughs) The Handmaid's Tale rolled out uh, on Hulu for the first time, I'm like, this is just a bit over the top it's hyperbolic and yet there was a storming of the capital and women had no choices within months we live in looney tunes times uh where a drug that has been as vetted as mifeprestone is somehow still winds up uh in a judge's hands and of course the trump appointed judge did what a trump appointed judge we would expect to do well a trump appointed judge who did not consider a body of medical research. Well, we saw we saw this in the Georgia legislature, though. We just saw this with well, the with well, SB2. That's, that's that's what we see happening. Yes, the the medical established medical bodies like the National um, OBGYNs, the American Medical Association. These groups find themselves totally ignored by Republican judges 
and Republican legislatures. And you, you, you have, in addition to this, you have a whole new body of legislation that's being proposed in other states. We're lucky. Georgia's legislature is shut down for the year. Mm. They said sine die at the end of March. But in other states, you have um, laws still being proposed. For example, the governor of Idaho on Wednesday of last week signed a law which makes it illegal to provide help within the state's boundaries to minors who are seeking an abortion without parental consent. So, for example, a big brother or an aunt of a young woman who's been sexually assaulted or abused by a family member or or whatever, those people can't help her go out of state in Idaho under this law to get the abortion care she needs. And this is just raising a whole new specter of um, of unexpected legal challenges. Can can one state say that you can't go out of state to get a procedure that's legal in the other state? There's all kinds of constitutional challenges that these laws will will set, set in place. I almost wonder when are we going to start seeing barbed wire at the in uh, checkpoints at the state line. This is creepy. Well, it's very creepy and and we clearly need a national understanding about reproductive health care, which puts the woman at the center of the consideration, not some religion she might not practice, Mm -hmm. not the beliefs of a conservative group who um, might be in, in deep violation to her own religion. I mean, there are religions that place the life of the mother at the center of any um, healthcare decision, not a fetus which could not survive outside the womb. So you are the executive director for an organization that uh, backs and I would assume recruits even candidates to run for office. <laughs> What's it, what's it going to take? What, what what is the tipping point? Or, or are we are we there yet? Do you sense a tipping point where, you know, women and advocates for reproductive choice have simply had enough, and there are converts coming over from the middle and may, maybe even just the the moderate right who are just fed up with this this trajectory we're on. Well, where we are is that the Georgia General Assembly's most recent vote on abortion care was the 2019 House Bill 481, the six-week abortion ban Mm -hmm. that basically went into effect after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Now, the General Assembly has changed dramatically since that point, since when 2019, in 2019, when that law was passed. You have a new speaker, you have a new lieutenant governor. You have in 2023 the largest freshman class ever in the history of the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. And even in 2020, after the 2019 law was passed, you had some seats which flipped from red to blue. So you have a very different General Assembly in Georgia which will consider any future legislation. And I can assure you that when list 
will be recruiting for seats where we believe we can flip in 2024. Because what you have to do is you have to have a majority of legislators who will oppose further restrictions on abortion law in Georgia. And if you don't have a majority who will oppose the legislation outright, you need moderate Republicans suburban Republicans who are willing to walk on a vote and not vote at all. Is is that even a disheartening sales pitch, though? We're, we're on with Melita Easter, by the way, from the Georgia Win List and WAGA's uh, The Georgia Gang. Is it, It's that sales pitch that, well, let's get enough people in the state legislature, state legislature just so it doesn't get any worse. Well... We want to, the goal is to repeal the six-week ban if the court doesn't have the backbone to overturn it. Mm -hmm. The goal is absolutely to repeal the six-week ban. But yes, it is an effective sales pitch to say we don't want it to be any worse because we are surrounded by states where it is worse. And so there are the majority of the citizens of Georgia oppose further restrictions on abortion. 68 to 70 percent want abortion to be safe, legal, and hopefully rare. And when you have these medication, this two prescription protocol, going back to your first question, that's used in more than 50 percent of abortions, that has the chance to happen. You also have to go back and look at the study of the women who sought abortions in Georgia for the 12 or 13 years before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Because, you know, Republicans say, oh, everybody knows they're pregnant by six weeks. If it's an unwanted pregnancy, they can take care of it at that six-week point. Mm -hmm. Well, that argument was shot completely down when this study revealed that only 11% of the women who sought abortion procedures in Georgia in the prior, the little over a decade before Mm -hmm. Roe v. Wade was overturned, only 11% of them were six weeks or less pregnant. So 90% of the women who got abortion procedures immediately prior to the overturn of Roe v. Wade in Georgia did so between the time of that six-week new law and the then 20-week law. And that's attributable to just having a lack of health care access, right? Well, in Georgia, we have dreadful health care access outside the metro area or the largest towns. Mm -hmm. More than half of the Georgia counties no longer have an OBGYN. There are hospitals which no longer deliver babies, even in rural Georgia. And so many women in rural Georgia must drive more than an hour to deliver a child or to receive OBGYN care on a regular basis. Now, you know, the governor and and the Republicans love to talk about um, bringing new industry to Georgia. But these small rural towns with no hospital and no OBGYN have a snowball's chance of recruiting big industries because big industries don't locate in places where their employees can't safely deliver a child or plan a Mm. family. Any chance 
we could somehow nuance a referendum on this. You, you talk about how the state's overwhelmingly in favor of abortion, uh, safe, legal, and rare. Well, referendums usually require a two-thirds vote of the General Assembly. So it's going to be easier to pass a law mm. than it will be to get a referendum. Now, you could possibly get a referendum on one party ticket or the other, but it wouldn't be a binding referendum right. for legislation. The reason they don't accept such a dare is because they know, they know they have gerrymandered their districts with surgical precision. Bingo. They have selected their voters rather than their voters selecting them. Bingo. So even when Democrats put credible, highly qualified candidates up against some of these Republicans, there's no chance for the Democrat to win because the district is so gerrymandered. That's right. All right. I mean, we, we saw, for example, I'm just going to give you one example. All right. um, Senator John Albers, he's in the Senate leadership. We had a brilliant young woman, Sarah Beeson, who ran against him in 2020. She's now on the Roswell City Council. She came very close to surprising and shocking him on election night. Mm -hmm. She was rewarded by having her subdivision cut in half. That's right. With her half out of John Albers <laughs> district. You can't make this stuff up. All right, we're up against a hard break back in a minute. Melita Easter's joining us from the Georgia Gang and the Georgia Windless on the Rancho. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is the Ron Show on America One Radio. Welcome back. We're with Melita Easters from the Georgia Winlist, Executive Director of Georgia Winlist, and a recurring pundit at Fox 5's The Georgia Gang, Sunday mornings, 8.30 on WAGA-TV. So we found out this morning the Democratic National Convention will not be coming to Atlanta. Your immediate thoughts on that? Well, in many ways, I'm not terribly surprised. Mm -hmm. um, and thank you for having me on the program, by the way. My um, pleasure. Thanks for coming. The um, new mayor of Chicago is a bit like the flavor of the month club yeah. at an ice cream store. <laughs> you know, he's the latest, greatest, newest um, celebrity in Democratic politics. And so his election, coupled with the fact that you had... Um, a promise to underwrite the expense of the convention and make sure there was no public debt mm. if this convention were located in Chicago, combined, I think, to overcome the very effective sales job that Atlanta had put forth. And I think in some ways, there's also a secret um, of the Irish heritage in Chicago combined is is a secret tug on joe biden and his irish heritage there are parts of of chicago that are more irish than certain parts of ireland and <laughs> you know in, in chicago they dye the river, the river. green yeah. for saint patrick's day yeah. and and joe biden i've i've heard him described as the most irish of all the presidents who've claimed irish heritage and so that probably had some little tug at his heart as he made the final decision. That being said, we still don't know that Joe Biden's going to run in 2024. Well, the reports are saying that he will, but he hasn't, he's not ready to make his official announcement. Mm -hmm. Who knows what will happen? But um, 
it, it is sad because Atlanta really put forth a great effort for trying to secure the convention. But we have to remember that we are a state where our gold dome is completely under Republican control. Mm -hmm. The governor and both houses of the General Assembly. We have very few union hotels in downtown Atlanta. We have a guns everywhere policy in yeah, Georgia. Right. We have restrictive abortion laws in Georgia. We have passed laws um, that are against high school transgender athletes in right. Georgia. Right. So as much as we wanted to do a sales job about the wonderful aspects of Georgia and Atlanta's history and civil rights and, and other progressive things that, that make us a, a fine place to do business, as Brian Kemp would say. There are also some policy black eyes for the state of Georgia. Yeah, you're right. When you put it that way, let's uh, move on. Are you hearing anything from the Fonnie Willis camp? I mean, we, we've got one set of indictments out already, and uh, the, 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 the natural reaction from the right, of course, is to dismiss those. But are we hearing well, anything from Fonnie's camp? Well, here's the deal, and people forget this, but Donald Trump's team filed a Sears and Roebuck catalog, practically, <laughs> judicial um, brief requesting that the special grand jury presentments be set aside and quashed, and that all evidence they received not be utilized. And so that legal document, a motion to quash in Georgia law, takes precedent over everything else. It has to be heard before Fonnie Willis can move ahead with anything in front of a grand jury. And so I believe her staff has until some point in May to answer that motion to quash. Now, they could do it in a more speedy fashion. Mm. But that motion to quash has to run its course before any indictment by a special grand jury can be returned because the judge has to rule on the validity of the special grand jury presentments and the evidence collected by the special grand jury before any of that evidence can be presented to a regular grand jury, which would then issue indictments. This is totally how an innocent person acts, right? Well, <laughs> who, who knows how uh, the typical person would act. But, you know, the Trump strategy is delay, deny, deflect, repeat. Mm -hmm. And that's what this motion did. And so, Bonnie Willis's hands are tied until a judge rules on the admissibility of the evidence and the span special grand jury presentments. Fair enough. I guess we'll wait. We've been patiently waiting for a, a good while now. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, a couple of reactions that have come from the civil rights community with regards to the Atlanta Police Foundation training facility, a.k.a. Cop City. Uh, days ago, we found out that uh, uh, civil rights icon, black uh, Panther icon uh, Angela Davis uh, returned her proclamation from the city of Atlanta and, of course, released a video explaining why she did so. Um, 
And then uh, we, we awoke today to see a letter from Bernice King uh, of, of, of the King family, uh, adding, adding to the, 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 the scorn from the civil rights community with regards to the Atlanta Police Training Center. I had uh, Amir Faroqui on yesterday and talked a little bit about that, and, or not, not so much the civil, but just Cop City in general. And, and the general sense I get from just about everybody I talk to on council is it's, it's, it's going to happen. The, the mayor's insisting it's going to happen, but the, but the opposition and the voice of the opposition seems to be growing, does it not? Well, I think that opposition has been there. I mean, I think you have, at this point, you have a lot of people with their heels dug in yeah. on both sides, and I don't know, I mean, Atlanta does need some sort of training facility for its police environment. Agreed. Does it need to be multiple times larger than the similar facilities in New York City or Los Angeles? Maybe not. Does it need to be in that particular spot? Also, perhaps not. But everybody has their heels dug in, and and the business community has already ponied up a lot of money for this facility, so their heels are dug in. And... And yet the protesters, I mean, they point out quite rightfully that this whole outside agitator label Mm. was in some ways created by the fact that the last round of arrests were made after a large number of people were corralled by law enforcement at the scene. The locals were let go and they arrested only those from out of town. So both sides... um, have done their own forms of spinning. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I think, you know, it, it is very fair to say, and even the city officials have admitted this, that this whole process was mishandled in the way community um, residents were informed and communicated with. Um, and, it is unfortunate, but perhaps it is also um, the, the primary factor in, in making that happen so poorly is the fact that the site for the police training facility is completely separate because it's in DeKalb County. It's yeah. in city-owned property, but it's in DeKalb County away from the districts of all the council people Mm-hmm. And the mayor and the city council president who vote on the police training facility. So those residents feel they have no voice and they are correct. Mm-hmm. In many ways, they don't. And I don't suppose they'd want to be annexed <laughs> at this point. So, <laughs> Well, the, the problem with annexation is you have to build a chain of land ownership that connects the city to the larger site being annexed. I did not know that. No, they had to they had to jump through a few hoops to make that Emory annexation happen a few years ago. I did not know that. Look at you. You have to you have to have a, a chain of even if it's a one lot here, one connecting to the next lot, to the next lot that takes you to the you have to you have to build a chain of connection. This is why we come to Melita Easter's for the uh, information and the insights, y'all. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something that uh, I heard Sunday morning watching uh, the show. 
uh, the Georgia gang. Uh, Angela Davis was mentioned. I think she was, 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 I think she was a loser. Was she not a loser? A Phil Kent loser this week for returning. Uh, yes, she her, was. And, and I have to, you don't have to comment on this if you don't want to, but I, I just, my, my eyes hurt from rolling sometimes when I watch because he uses terminology. He, he went with the communist label. He just, you know, quickly lobbed out. Oh, by the way, she's a communist. The the red smear stuff with the Black Panther movement from the 1960s and 1970s. I, I did we not bury that? Did we not put that in a trunk and up in the attic? Is that not an old relic that we just don't need to go back to anymore? The the red smear really. I just I don't know. I was kind of grossed out by that. Well, I again, you don't have to say anything. <laughs> I will say only that um, many people put that aside. Many, many, many of us, and um, and some of us never used that terminology to begin with. But Phil is a creature into his own um, vocabulary. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if you ever did. You ever watch the series The Americans? I think it was Hulu. Or no, it was FX. I, I don't watch a lot of TV. Oh, Melita, you, you've got to watch this one. Uh, okay. A quick synopsis. Uh, the Americans is uh, based in the 1980s. It follows along a typical American family that it turns out is not a typical American family. They are a married couple of Russian spies who were put together to spy on U.S. And it went on for like three seasons. It was fantastic. Um, anyway, there, there's a subplot in the story that talks about how the Soviet Union and uh, some in the civil rights community here had some common cause because the Soviet Union was actually ahead of us politically when it came to apartheid in South Africa. I don't know. I just, I just, that's just one of those little subplots that I found kind of interesting that I didn't think about as a kid, but now as an adult, I go, well, you know, actually we were kind of foot dragging a little bit on, on apartheid. It's just an an interesting little sub piece. Um, Well, I do think that we were subsequent generations, you and I, I probably will not be around to see it, but Mm. Subsequent generations will be shocked by how skillfully Russia infiltrated American media and Mm. American popular culture Mm -hmm. and the Republican Party. Um, And I mean, you know, even the NRA, it's so funded by by Russian oligarchs. It, it, it's going to be shocking when some of these things come to light. The last thing I have to ask you about, and you may not even follow this story that much, so if you don't, that's fine, and we'll let you go. Uh, Rob Recksteiner is the vice chairman on the Cherokee County School Board currently. He is Rick Steiner from WWE Wrestling fame, uh, the Steiner brothers back in the day. Uh, weekend before last, he was at a wrestling convention like WrestleCon, and he, he made some statements that were deemed anti-trans, to a uh, Giselle Shaw, who was a trans wrestler as well. He was kicked out of the event. The, 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 the organizers kicked him out of the event. He's made no statement. Cherokee County Schools was out on spring break last week. Here it is Tuesday. We've still heard nothing. They have a school board meeting on April 20th. Is this a story? Is this a story that should be followed and known about more locally? Because I don't feel like it is. I feel anytime you have policy makers for public schools who express what can be considered discriminatory remarks such as those which are anti-trans mm. then it is absolutely a legitimate story to follow because our children deserve 
all of them to reach their full potential. And in systems which are rigged against them, they're not allowed to do so. Well, I hope more folks will pick up on this. I've been talking about this since last week, and I, I, I'd love to see more coverage of it. Uh, I, like I said, I, d- I don't know what will happen at this school board meeting, if it's even on the agenda, but uh, more folks need to be talking about this on the local level. And I don't have high expectations. Cherokee County is a deeply red county. However, again, it, this, but, but this is about know, the children. Cherokee is a fast-growing county, right? and uh, it's right next to Forsyth County, I believe. Mm-hmm. And Forsyth County has the highest percentage, not number, but percentage of AAPI population, higher than L.A. County, California, by percentage. Right. So the the outer rim suburbs like Cherokee and Forsyth County are increasingly diverse and increasingly... Um, Purpling. Flippable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we can only hold out hope. Well, I'll be watching that story. I don't know if you will, but uh, I'll definitely be watching that story. Melita Easter's Georgia Win List and the Georgia Gang from Fox 5. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, don't just listen to The Ron Show. Support The Ron Show. If you and your business would like to have your advertising done on this show, you know, it's pretty easy. You can drop me an email, ron at ronshowetl.com. You can also call me anytime you like, 404-919-2725. You can also just be a listener if you don't have a business. I mean, that would be most of you, right? Follow us on your preferred podcast platform by following any of the links we've got provided for you there on the podcast tab at ronshowatl.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, links there for you as well. Final segment of the Ron Show for Tuesday. Uh, again, I want to thank Melita Easters for joining us again from the Georgia Win List and Fox 5's The Georgia Gang. You know, she made a lot of good points about uh, the reality of the landscape when it came time for the Democratic Party to choose where the 2024 convention was going to go. Do you reward a state that is overwhelmingly Republican-led, that has enacted legislation that suppresses the opportunities to vote, subtly in some cases, willfully and overtly in others? Do you reward a state that just passed uh, a bill banning gender-affirming care for trans youth? Do you reward a state with gun laws that have large festivals on public lands having to cancel because they can't come up with an answer for security that would please their insurance underwriters? It would seem that the Democratic Party said, yeah, the answer's no. I mean, thanks for getting us John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock into the Senate. Not overlooking that, but Chicago is in a very blue city, a very blue state. Uh, more union participation, more mass transit, a lot less need for parking. By the way, parking was one of the things the Atlanta bid was touting in 2023 for the 2024 convention. We're not touting our mass transit as much as we're touting parking. I mean, listen, maybe they were touting their mass transit, but as someone who has left Mercedes-Benz Stadium after a major concert, it was Elton John, 
At the same night, there was, I believe, a Hawks game at State Farm Arena. I believe that was happening at the same time. There was also a concert at the Fox Theater. I sat there with a couple of my friends leaving the venue, trying to decide, should we just walk the 45 minutes back to my condo, or do we wait for Uber and Lyft? Parking lot is the best way to describe all the streets around those two venues downtown, and I'm sure the one in Midtown as well. Oh yeah, there was also a Georgia State football game going on. So when you put all of that together, you're looking at about uh, 90,000, you're looking like 100,000 people or more all leaving at the same time onto the streets of Atlanta. And I'm not saying that the Democratic National Convention was going to have 100,000 people coming and going from venues at one point or another. In fact, the number is more like 55,000. So, okay, 55% of what the general public had to deal with that night that you had a Hawks game, Georgia State University football game, Elton John concert, and I forget who the country artist was. I believe it was a female talent playing at the Fox Theater. So, 55% of that, it's it would still look, that's still a kerfuffle. And obviously, we don't have the mass transit to accommodate it. Now, I'm sure that they're going to make some exceptions. If the convention were to come here, the electric streetcar would probably run a little later than it normally would. But again, it doesn't go anywhere. It, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. First of all, it doesn't come to State Farm Arena or Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And I believe they were going to use State Farm Arena for the convention itself. So the streetcar doesn't go to either of those venues, and it doesn't take you to any of the hotels. It does that figure eight from Centennial Park to... The uh, MLK parking back. That does. It, I I know I harp on mass transit a lot and our lack thereof here in the city of Atlanta, but at some point in time, it's just got to sink in that it's deficient. Mass transit is deficient in this city that has aspirations to host big events, Super Bowls, All Star Games. Maybe the Olympics again. Mass transit's got to play a role, y'all. But we have to have it. It's also worth mentioning, by the way, that if Joe Biden is running for re-election, we will assume he is. He, of course, was also the vice president during Barack Obama's presidency. The Barack Obama Library, Chicago, where Barack and Michelle live as well. I mean, is it a factor? Oh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a love fest that convention weekend, right? You would think. I would. Am I disappointed Atlanta didn't get the convention? Absolutely. Does it make sense that Atlanta didn't get the convention as well? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I kind of get it. I do, I just kind of get it. We have the venues. We have a movement in this city. We have a, a rock star in Stacey Abrams who is working a lot behind the scenes to re-enfranchise voters, protect voter rights. She, of course, has tried to run for the highest office in the state twice and come up a little short. We got a lot going for us. We really do. John Ossoff, Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock. But we're still a red state with crazy willy-nilly gun laws and abortion restrictions and uh, bans on gender-affirming care and laws that restricted 
handing out water to people waiting in line to vote. I've said this for a while now. This is a purplish red state, not a purplish blue state, even though we have two Democratic senators. They ran against awful candidates with an awful taint, that awful hue of Trump orange affixed fingerprints all over them. So it helped us, but we're not there yet. We still have work to do. I'm back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, The Ron Show, and all the major podcast platforms as well. We'll see you tomorrow.